Hey everyone, it's Hannah. It's Amy. Today is Monday, January 7th, 2019. Oh my gosh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, girlfriend. (laughs) We are meeting up with the Conservation Foundation today to talk all about their organization and how they impact the Chicagoland region. All right, we're back with our first episode of 2019. Indeed, indeed. We're back. Here we are. We have a special guest with us from the Conservation Foundation, Miss Jamie Vibach. Hello. Hello. It's so good to have you here with us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so uh, Hannah and I were talking. We know about the Conservation Foundation to a point, and I think this is kind of how like the general community might know the Conservation Foundation as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We're already learning that there's lots and lots and lots of things going on with your organization. Um, I guess let's just start with our first question here. What is the Conservation Foundation in your words and how does it serve the Chicagoland region? Okay, so the Conservation Foundation is a nonprofit land trust whose goal is to protect land and protect water. So we do that in a number of ways, like organizing the annual river sweep, giving presentations across the region on benefits of planting native plants or using rain barrels, and teaching kids about nature with our fantastic environmental education programs. Mm -hmm. So I think what probably surprises people most is that we don't actually own a whole bunch of land. We have some fantastic forest preserves in this area, and, and that's kind of their job. Yeah. So land is really expensive to maintain, and we found it's more practical to educate others on the best practices for caring for their own land whether it's municipalities or homeowners. So while we own some land like the McDonald Farm in Naperville or the Dixon Merced Farm in Montgomery, we also hold easements for people with large properties who want to make sure those parcels don't get developed in the future or who want to protect unique or sensitive areas like wetlands or um, prairies, woodlands, things like that. That's great. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) So it was actually an easement deal like that that protected the McDonald Farm back in the early 90s. Okay. So Lenore McDonald, the previous owner, saw all the development happening on neighboring farms and didn't want that for her acreage. So we helped her place an easement on her property. And that's why the McDonald farm is still there and not a subdivision or a target or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're really about helping to educate everyone from preschoolers up to adults about the benefits of protecting open spaces and caring for the land in a way that's healthy for birds and butterflies and for us too. Yeah, I love awesome. that. If you ever go to the McDonald farm, you'll notice there's just nothing but residential areas. Yep, it's all that dense residential. Yes, yes. And I think it's so funny you mentioned about preserving open space because we talk about that in almost every episode like that's just one of the best ways you can help preserve flora and fauna in the area because we could do all sorts of rehab we could do all sorts of outreach but at the end of the day they need their habitat in order to to reproduce to yeah exactly you know feed on food like anything they do yeah so um so talking about the mcdonald farm this is kind of the the place that people go to for a lot of Mm -hmm. outreach is Mm -hmm. that correct yep absolutely Okay. Um, So we talk about, this is how your headquarters, this is where your headquarters is located. And it's basically a large farm. Yep. Um, What all do you guys do there? Well, so the McDonald Farm's a really unique place. So as we were saying here, we sit in the middle of Naperville. We've got Mm -hmm. dense residential all around us. And we're the 60 acres of open space. Okay. So we've added some green features to the farm, like wind turbine and solar panels. 
Uh, we can actually produce about the third of the energy we use here between those two things. Wow. Hmm. Um, we also have a green roof on our milk house, recycled steel roofs on our barn in the Clow House, which is one of the buildings that we have there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as stormwater management goes, we've installed a large cistern that the farm uses to water their crops as well as uh, rain gardens there too. So these are ways that we keep rain where it falls rather than directing it to the river, which contributes to flooding whenever mm-hmm. we get large rain events. Mm-hmm. So, cool. um, you know, as you mentioned, we do a lot of environmental education for students mm-hmm. at the farm um, as well as at local schools. Um, our environmental education team is just fantastic. We reach over 1,500 students a year, either through field trips to the farm or through our Mighty Acorns program. Wow. So Mighty Acorns, it's a Chicago Chicago wilderness curriculum that introduces kids in third, fourth, and fifth grades to nature, um, relationships between animals, plants, insects, and then also teaches them about invasive species. Kids in the program learn about restoration and stewardship, what it is, why we do it. And then we take them outside to a natural area by their school and let them do the actual stewardship work. So we see them three times a year. And then by the spring, they can see the huge difference that they're making on their woods. And it really is their woods. Hmm. We hear stories from kids about showing off their work to their parents, and they are so proud of it. Many of these kids have never really spent any time outside. So in the beginning, they're really, you know, nervous and shy about being out in the woods, even if it's just a little stand of trees in a park. Um. But by the end, they're using loppers and other hand tools to improve the health of this open space, and they're really taking pride in it. Oh, nice. So this is more than just like the Naperville School District. You guys reach out to all oh, different yeah. counties. Yeah. and So the Conservation Foundation serves people in Kane, Kendall, DuPage, and Will counties. Okay. okay. So we've got schools. We've worked with schools in all four counties. Oh, okay. Um, as well as going out to Ottawa. We have another property out there called Dayton Bluffs. Okay. Okay. Um, that's sort of a partnership with... Uh, the city of Ottawa, but then we also work with several of the schools that are there too. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love that you're connecting with children. I know for myself, I developed my passion for nature and wildlife at a very young age, and yeah. I didn't always have the resources that I wanted to really learn about everything. Yeah. So I think it's great that you're really tapping into that resource because mm-hmm. they're tomorrow's leaders yeah. and they can go home and tell their parents about it today. And, well, and, and kids are just so disconnected from nature yes. these days. You know, mm-hmm. they spend so much time inside on devices and they're just not getting outside. Mm-hmm. So being able to connect kids, reconnect kids to nature, which is where they're supposed to be playing. I mean, yeah. come on, yeah. let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> this is where they're supposed to be playing. This is supposed to be their playground outside. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, parents are too afraid to let their kids outside unsupervised or, mm-hmm. you know, the kids aren't growing up and getting that confidence of being on their own, of exploring on their own. Yeah. Doing things independently. Yeah. It's amazing how much just being outdoors and connecting with nature can affect your personality and your view yes, on life. Absolutely. So. And so, you know, my background, I started in this field as an environmental educator. And okay. so I've been doing that kind of work for I want to date myself, but, you know, probably, you know, almost 15 years now. That's great. And, you know, watching the transformation in these kids from really being terrified of being outside and having no idea. You you should hear some of the questions that I've gotten from kids. You know, are there bears here? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You're in the middle of Flossmoor. No, there's no bears here. (laughs) um, You know, are there monkeys here? Yeah. Or, Or my favorite, is this nature? Oh, oh, wow. What? I mean, what? what? 
Oh. Yeah, that's hard to even relate to. And, you know, it, like, the, the first time I got that question, it just took me back because, yeah, what is this nature? Of course, this is yeah. nature. Everything yeah. on your feet is nature. What are you talking about? But, yeah. you know, to these kids, nature is what they see on the Discovery Channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the Going ocean, the, the jungle, the right. the, you know, the, the plains of Africa. Like, that's nature. No. Yes. No. It's in your backyard. Yes. And we talk about that a lot. You know, we we kind of have to accept the fact that the Chicagoland region is heavily developed at this point and yes. it's still being developed, but there's still a lot of biodiversity in the area and there's still a lot of nature worth protecting. And we kind of have to figure out where to find the middle for everyone, right? you know, like where we can connect, but also support that habitat in a healthy way. So it's a, tricky. <laughs> it is. It is. I had a professor in grad school and he and I went head to head on this topic a number of times because yeah, he was okay. he was from the upper peninsula of Michigan and, mm-hmm. you know, came down here. And, and in his view, there was nothing left here to save. Oh, no, wow. no, I yeah. will never believe that. Yeah. You are never going to convince me that there is nothing worth saving here sure. because, yes, a green way is not the equivalent of you know, a thousand acres of pristine woodland. Right. Okay. I get Mm -hmm. that. But you're not, you're not going to tell me that's nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. That's worthwhile. Yes. Look at all of our species that have actually adapted to urban environments. I mean, there are many that need help, need our support, but there are also many that just thrive among Mm -hmm. people. And that's been our focus personally with the podcast is to kind of help connect people to that to say, hey, this animal isn't scary. It's not dangerous. It's actually beneficial to your lifestyle and well-being. Exactly. I see so many people on Facebook talking about coyotes and, oh "Oh my gosh, I saw a coyote in my neighborhood. Okay. And? (laughs) I would be be so jazzed. That's awesome. We we have them on the farm and we keep an eye on them. I don't think we've named them yet. I'm sure there are some people who've named them, but yeah, I, you know, we there's at least two, and we can tell because one's a little mangy, Aww. but yeah, you know, he gets by. Yeah, but you know, we were watching him, and he was trotting along, and then all of a sudden, he dove headfirst into the snow. Oh, I love it. That's so love cool. It. It's awesome. Yeah. Yes, things eating things. That's yes, the most yes. exciting part of nature. Right? Oh, I'm with you right there. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yes. Um, so, kind of going back to the farm, I also yeah. like that you guys mix in farming with conservation because I think a lot of people view these as like two mutually exclusive items, and yes. actually, we need to combine them as much as possible. Yeah. So. so um, what you're getting at there is it used to be a separate organization that just recently merged okay. Um, okay. with the Conservation Foundation. And um, it was Green Earth Institute. We're now calling it Green Earth Harvest. Okay. But it's our CSA. And okay. so CSA stands for Community Supported Agriculture. It's a program where you prepay for shares of produce. Um, and that produce is grown right on our farm. So we feed about mm-hmm. 500 families through this program. And even mm-hmm. more if you consider that the leftovers go to a food pantry. Oh, wow. That's so, amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Uh, we're organic certified and everything is grown and harvested right there. So people buy shares of the produce now and then next spring, summer, fall, they pick them up weekly or bi-weekly at the farm or one of our drop-off locations. Mm. So I've subscribed for two years now, just signed up for my third. Nice. nice. And I can tell you the produce is absolutely amazing. It's like what you would pick out at the grocery store, but better since it was picked when it was ripe, probably hours or at most a few days yeah. before you get it right at the farm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really doesn't get more local than that. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of debate now about organic. Is it good? Is it greenwashing? What's the deal? Well, mm-hmm. 
I can tell you at our farm, we really don't use chemicals. Okay. Yeah. There are some pesticides and things that are okay. They're approved for use with organic, mm-hmm. but we try not to because we integrate farming practices that are better for the soil. Yeah. So they okay. keep the soil healthy. Yeah. Keeps the plants healthy. We rotate the crops so that those diseases don't have a chance to get hold. Mm, okay. Um, just lots of different, they call it integrated pest management. Okay. And okay. and what it does is it's basically farming smarter, outsmarting That's the, the bugs and the it, diseases yeah. and get things right to the resource. so that we don't have to spray lots yeah. of stuff on mm-hmm. them. So, you know, is that to say we never do? No, but it's rare. So most through most of these farming practices, you know, we can grow it just like you'd grow it in your own backyard. That's nice. great. Awesome. So, and I know like a lot of Illinois is covered with agricultural mm-hmm. land. We've taken away natural habitat space to yeah. grow food for ourselves. And my understanding is that a lot of the issues with those large plots of land is that because they're not farmed necessarily the same way as mm-hmm. McDonald Farm does, um, they lose their fertility over time and these plants yeah. can't grow as well. Right. And it's kind of like dead soil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. And so when you when you take care of the soil, you're putting the nutrients back in. So, you know, we use compost mm-hmm. to help amend the soil and we rotate the crops and, you know, we grow a large variety of crops there. I mean, there's so many different things that we get as part of the CSA. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so they grow a large variety of things. They rotate so that they're not planting even plants in the same family in the same field all the time. Okay. That's great. Which again helps really to prevent. Rotating. Yeah. It, it really prevents those bugs and those soil issues. Yeah. Um, you know, diseases and things that can hurt the crops, it prevents them from being able to get a foothold. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you talk about the the CSA program. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know how much it costs by any chance to sign up? It, it, yeah, it, it depends because there's there's so many different, different levels, levels of, yeah. of it. Okay. So you can get weekly or bi-weekly. Okay. You can get a personal share or uh a standard share. Okay. So depending on which way you go. Okay. And then if you pick it up at a remote location, it's a different cost than if you come to the farm. But I recommend everybody come to the farm because it's so cool. It's all it's about the, the experience. Ex- yes. It is. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> you know, they, they'll do some you pick days, awesome. which are always fun. So oh, cool. um, beans, uh, cherry tomatoes, you oh. actually get to go out to the field with your little bag and pick them yourself. And that'd uh, be really fun to do with your kids or yeah. even like a date. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know about know. those dates. Yeah, yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. it's really fun, and and then even if you pick it up at the farm, it's almost like going to the grocery store because they've got bins of different things set up and and a board t- that tells you, okay, if you have the personal share, you get to pick six of the following list of things. Okay, plus you know one or two little extras that come with it too. Okay. So you know herbs, squash, pumpkins. That's so you awesome. can kind of really cool thing. So you can pick things that you're comfortable maybe eating yeah. or cooking. You don't get like foreign vegetables all of a sudden right. that you have no idea what to do with. Other CSAs <laughs> I've been a part of, you know, you go and you pick up your box and it what do what I do is. with celeriac? Yeah. I've never like I don't even I've never heard of this. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. I'm like, mm. um, you know, or I hate kale. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate kale. There it is. It tastes like dirt. And I am just, I have tried it. I have tried it seven different ways and I just don't like it. Yeah. So you know what? I don't take it there you because go. it's set up like a 
grocery yeah. store. I don't yeah. like kale, so I'm going to take some extra potatoes nice. or right. extra peppers or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you get what you're going to use. And so it's it's nice that less goes to waste. And yeah, I still share stuff with my family and because we get more than we can use even. Sure. But, but that fosters a sense of community and yeah. even like picking it up at the farm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's even probably more environmentally friendly than buying something from the grocery store because that could be coming all the way from South America. Yeah. 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 They, you know, they, they truck all of that stuff in from so far that, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's grown right there at the farm. Yeah. You know, I, I knock off from work for the day on Tuesdays and head on over, pick up my produce and go home. That's awesome. So I know yeah. not everybody can do that, but yeah. <laughs> it's still worth the trip. Yeah. Do they do like farmer's markets or anything? They don't really do farmer's markets. Occasionally they'll do pop-ups. They actually have, okay. um, and this is going to be too late by the time this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> next um, time. <laughs> yeah. Next on uh, this coming Tuesday, they're going to do a little pop-up stand where they're okay. going to be selling some of the extra. This was apparently a bumper crop of gourds oh. or of uh, squashes and things this year. Okay. So um, they've got spinach and all kinds of extra stuff. And so we're going to have a little pop-up sale at the farm so people can just show up and buy some extra awesome. stuff. That's great. Do you guys share that on like your social media or yeah. through a newsletter? Or yeah. Like that? Um, Green Earth puts out a newsletter for okay. all their shareholders and um, we'll put it on our Facebook page for the Conservation Foundation. So anytime nice. we've got anything like that, um, I highly recommend everybody follow the Conservation Foundation. Yes. You'll find yes. out about all of our events, um, all the fun stuff that we're mm-hmm. doing and random major posts that we share so oh my gosh that's so cool I feel like like I literally feel like I could talk about conservation and ag all day (laughs) Um, but I don't know why like I just like really got into that recently but (laughs) and and it's funny because I really have no background in agriculture yeah and but I've learned so much and that's the great thing about working at the conservation foundation is that everybody there has their own little specialty niche Mm -hmm. for things and so I talked to somebody and I learned all about watersheds and I talked to somebody else and I'm learning all about farming and soils. Yeah. And I talked to somebody else and I'm learning about the legal aspects of land. Like it's really crazy. Just the amount of information I've soaked up from working there over the last oh, two gosh. years. So it's yeah. awesome. It's all connected. It really is. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess we should probably touch on like the conservation at home program. Like, oh, a bit absolutely. Then. Yeah. Because not only do people eat, but they also recreate and live it in yeah. homes, ideally. So, conservation at home is probably one of my favorite programs that we do because it's all about getting homeowners connected with their yard. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it's all about turning your yard into better habitat for birds and butterflies and other wildlife. So, through this program, somebody like me would come and visit your yard. And if you're just starting out, we can make recommendations of what plants will work in your space or how to install a rain barrel and other stuff like that. And there's no charge for our consultation. So oh my gosh, it's a really hmm. cool and it's uh, honestly, it's one of my favorite parts of the job. I get to go out and see people's yards oh, and boy. talk to homeowners. I did and, not know that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there so, we go. <laughs> if you already have a bunch of native plants, your yard's full of birds and butterflies, everything's all good. We'll come take a look and we'll certify it right there. Great. Um, so when you get certified, you get a nice little sign to put up and that tells your neighbors, hey, I did all this on purpose. Okay. <laughs> um, we're really hoping that it sparks conversations between neighbors, some of whom might not understand what native plants are or think yeah. that, you know, it's just a yard full of weeds. Okay. Wow. That's and wonderful. I, I personally think 
native yards look a lot more beautiful than oh, just the, the mud I agree. like the ground. I do too. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. I, and I really think that's a cultural shift that's starting mm-hmm. to happen. Um, you know, people in my parents' generation were all about that manicured golf course looking yeah. lawn with the boxwood hedges that are trimmed just perfectly, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and to me, I can't imagine anything more boring. It's boring. Yeah. You know, and, and having native plants isn't necessarily about turning your yard into a prairie. That's, you know, that's, that's not realistic. Right. We live in the suburbs. Let's, right. you know, <laughs> we live in the suburbs. We have homeowners associations that are there sometimes mm-hmm. with their rulers and, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, so, we're we're trying to get across to people like I'm not telling you to turn your front yard into an eight foot prairie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's not it, and that's not what native plants are. Mm-hmm. It's all about substituting. Yep. So maybe replace a hosta with something native. Yeah, yeah. or a rose bush with a spice bush. Yeah, or yeah. you know that kind of thing. That it's you can make little changes like that. Absolutely. That have big positive in, uh, impacts on the environment. Yeah. So my husband, he's a big, I have to mow the lawn kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're still working on this plan for our yard. Cause that's on our to-do list of mm-hmm. things to do. And, um, I'm very much like, I really don't want any grass. I want to get all sorts of plants in there. Cause my view is that yes, it's an investment mm-hmm. from the start, but it's easier to care for down the road. It's more beneficial for your property. It'll look beautiful. So I can tell you there is actually a happy medium between the two of those. Okay. And it's buffalo grass. Okay. Buffalo grass looks really not much different from Kentucky blue. Okay. But you mow it like twice a year. Oh. Get out. It doesn't grow very tall. It's technically not really native to this area, but mm-hmm. it's close. It's okay. better than right? it's, the it's, it's close to being native. Okay. Um, but it doesn't grow very tall. And it looks like regular lawn grass, but it's oh. the roots are longer because traditional lawn grass, the Kentucky bluegrass we all have, um, mm-hmm. the roots are like two to three inches long. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. You rip it out so easily. Native plants, their roots can get down to 15 feet long. Right? It's crazy. Yeah. And, and that's why we don't have to water native plants as much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you don't have to worry about when we have droughts here. They're like, no, man, we got it. It's okay. Yeah. Because their roots go down so far, they're reaching that deep water in the soil long after those top two to three inches have dried out. Yeah. Okay. So buffalo grass has longer roots, mm-hmm. which means less watering, less maintenance. There you go. More money in your pocket. Yeah, exactly. More time on your <laughs> well, day. And, you know, and that's yeah. just it. Native plants are 50 to 60% less costly to maintain than traditional landscaping. That's awesome. So... Yeah. Not to mention all the time you no longer have to spend watering and yeah. whatever because hey they're good yeah you know they're right. they're they're used to our environment they're used to our climate mm-hmm. so um, they don't care yeah <laughs> yeah they don't care what the temperature <laughs> and what the weather is doing outside you know you don't have to worry about covering them in the winter because yeah. all that biomass is underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why burning a prairie is so effective in helping to manage because the native plants, the things that are here, they're used to those kinds of burns. Yeah. I always liken it to like cutting off your finger. Mm. You could survive <laughs> just fine yeah. having lost a finger. It's yeah. not like it's going to grow back, but you're fine. Um, other non-native, those invasive species that are getting in here, it's more like cutting them off at the waist. Yeah. Mm. They're going to have a much more difficult time recovering from that and that's going to give the native plants they're going to just shoot right back up gives and, them the opportunity gosh. to thrive again yeah it, it helps them out compete those invasive species that 
are usually cheating in some way to yeah. suppress the native plants and, and take over everything. Oh my gosh. Well, and I always, I like to focus on the fact because, you know, we have people that aren't necessarily connected to nature. Mm -hmm. I always like to talk about the economic sense that being yep. environmental, yeah. environmentally conscious, I should say, yeah. brings to your household. Absolutely. So again. Absolutely. You know, and that's the thing, you have to know your audience. <laughs> yes. Right. There are all these great reasons for planting native and for doing this, all these great things in your yard. Mm -hmm. But not every reason is going to resonate with every person. Right. right. So when I give presentations, I got to know who I'm talking to. Mm -hmm. Am I talking to a Lions Club or am yeah. I talking to a Garden Club? Yeah. Because I'm going to talk to them differently. Yes. Yeah. Because they care about different things. Right. Right. So it's all and about like, knowing your audience. Yes, exactly. And like you, you mentioned the rain barrel earlier. Mm -hmm. That's like another way. Oh, yeah. Um, we talk about how much water can cost yep. and how precious our freshwater resources are. Absolutely. So why are we paying extra money just to water all these plants that aren't native that they won't even appreciate it anyway. They just dry out on us. So I have, I have, I have, I have this very funny story that I like to share. And, and so I'm going to tell a story of my dad here. Okay. So I am obviously, you know, very environmentally friendly and, sure. and all of that. And I think my parents kind of still see me as the little tree hugging 12 year old, <laughs> you know. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I started talking up native plants and, and my dad moved and my parents moved into a new home and, and they wanted to. My dad told the landscaper, OK, put native plants in. Mm -hmm. Well, landscaper he hired didn't really know much about native plants, and it was oh. European this and Japanese that, and, okay. you know, all the, yeah. and the European this and the Japanese that eventually died. Yeah. And so we started to see like, oh, wait, maybe there is actually something to this. So now, then he moves into a different house and he says, mm -hmm. I'm doing all native landscaping and I'm going to do it all myself. So that's awesome. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. So he puts in all the native landscaping, looks great, right? But he moved from unincorporated areas to an incorporated area. Mm, okay. So he put all these great native plants in. And starts watering them all in like mm -hmm. you have to when you plant new things. Mm -hmm. And then he gets his first water bill. Mm. And uh, and then he's coming to me saying, now, now tell me again about these rain barrels that you've got. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So all of a sudden it's gone from, you know, hippie tree hugger to, oh, wait, maybe this does actually make some yeah. sense. Yes. Because every time it rains, you get 55 gallons of free water. Yeah. Exactly. It's amazing. And they have like a filter on top, right? Mm -hmm. To just to keep all the nasties out and right. it's pretty and, easy to maintain. Right, right. Yeah. So um we actually sell them through the conservation foundation. We work okay. with somebody and it's they're super cool because okay, from the hippie tree hugger side of things again, <laughs> um they're recycled okay. barrels or reused, repurposed, okay. if you will. Um, they're the barrels that they use to ship things like olives and pickles and things over from Europe. Oh yeah. And you know, Spain and Greece and all these places where they, they ship large amounts to come over here and be packaged up smaller for consumer use. So there are these 55 gallon barrels, according to U.S. law, they can't be reused. So they would just go to the landfill. Oh, wow. So instead, our supplier takes them, washes them out really well, and then retrofits them as rain barrels. That's awesome. So yeah. they're already food safe. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to worry about That's anything there. I wouldn't drink out of them. But, yeah. you know, but there you don't have to worry about them leaching chemicals and things like yeah. that, like you would off of a new plastic uh, 
kind of rain barrel. Um, but so they retrofit them. And like I said, every time it rains, you've got all this free water and it's better water. Rainwater contains a lot more nutrients and things like that than just standard tap water would. Mm. Uh, nitrogen yeah. and... Because we filter a lot of that out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> but you can use it to wash your car. You can use it to water plants. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, there's a spigot on it. So you can just hook up a hose. Oh, there. Or they're... use it to... That's great. Yeah. Use it to fill uh, uh, watering cans. Okay. Um, yeah. It's just it, right there. Water sitting around, and so everybody's always worried about mosquitoes and things. But they've got this screen on top that keeps mosquitoes out. Huh. So you know they're sealed up perfectly so that mosquitoes can't get in. So you don't have to worry about them breeding mosquitoes either. Huh. My neighbor behind my house, she has one. Mm -hmm. She's always out in her yard, and oh, thankfully she has a lot of native plants. Yeah. Um, she's a volunteer over at the Morton Arboretum, so she's very much into the plant life. You know. Um, but she's always using her rain barrel and I would, I would say her water bill would be a lot higher if she oh, was sure. relying on yeah. um, her, you know, water system to keep everything going. Yeah, absolutely. So. And you know, there, it's not, it's not a new concept, mm -hmm. right? People back in the forties, fifties used rain barrels, right? They were, mm. they were actually much more water conscious than we are today yeah. because water was a little more difficult to get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so the idea of cisterns, you know, that's something back in like the 1800s people were using because they needed to keep a supply of fresh water. Yeah. Well, turns out that's a great idea. So Definitely. Uh, the cistern we have at the McDonald farm, the farmer actually uses that to water the crops. Hmm. Wow. So that's great. Yeah. It, it, rather than having to pull water out of a, a well or out of a municipal water supply. Yeah. You know, I think people don't realize just what a precious resource it is. Mm -hmm. We've been treating water as a waste product for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the idea of, okay, let's let it wash across our lawns and send it out to the rivers as quickly as we can. It's stupid. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. why, we, that's why yeah. we get flooding now is yeah. because we're trying to, make these rivers hold much more water than they can hold. Right. And we're also not recharging our aquifers. Mm. That's where a lot of us get our water from. Yeah. yeah. So the city of Joliet is predicted to, their aquifer is going to go dry by 2030. Wow. Oh, that's not that far from now. No. So oh this, the city is actually working on now, okay, this water source is running out. Where are we yeah. going to get our water from? Yeah. And so they're, actually working on that right now, their environmental commission. Um, wow. That's great. I'm glad they're tapping into it yeah. years in advance because well, that's how it should be handled. Yeah. This is something we've known for at least the last 10 years. Oh, my. And I would <laughs> guess maybe the majority of the community that uses that that supply doesn't even know that this I bet is they sure. Yeah. I bet yeah. they don't. Just, and, you know, we just turn on the tap and the water's there yeah. and it's always been there and we just think yeah. it's always going to be there and mm -hmm. it's not necessarily the case. Oh my gosh. So the idea of keeping water where it falls, it's a really important one yes. because Absolutely. we've got to get those aquifers recharged. Yes. I live in an unincorporated area, so I have a private well. If my well goes dry, that's going to be a really costly fix. Oh, yeah. I bet. Oh my so, gosh. I wouldn't even know how to deal with something like that. 
That's just how yeah. disconnected we are with like water supply, right? <laughs> yeah, We've always had it. I mean, and everybody thinks, well, okay, if, if it goes dry, we just have to dig a deeper well. Yeah. That only goes so far in this yeah. area, yeah. you know, yeah. and you can only do that so many times. So, oh my gosh. So, uh, the water, the rain barrels, I should say, do they cost very much or? No, they're actually pretty economical. Um, the ones that we sell through our website, if you come to the farm and pick them up, they're $60. Okay. Uh, if you have them delivered to your house, that's a whopping $5 more. Oh, oh man. It off at your house. I know, right? <laughs> so, 65 bucks, you can have a rain barrel dropped on your doorstep. Wow. Oh my gosh. So that's it. Yeah. And, and you just put one of the gutters yep. into it, right? Yeah, like yeah. redirect it. Yep. You just okay. cut off your gutter, set it right underneath there. And as long as you drain them in the winter and, yeah. and divert the water flow, cause you don't want water sitting there cause then it freezes oh. and cracks them open. Oh yeah. Um, but you can, they can stay outside all year okay. long as long as they're empty. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. I wish I had a home now. No. I know. <laughs> what can Hannah do? <laughs> She's in the city. I live in Chicago. What oh, can I do? <laughs> you know, you, you can advocate for, uh, you know, City Hall to yeah. use rain, a rain barrel or the libraries. Or, oh, I have a library right down the street from me. You know, any, mm. any place like that. Any place that's got a way to use the water. Yeah. You know, if they've got landscaping around there. Yeah, there's a little garden right next yeah. to the library. Cute. Okay, I know what I'm going to do now. <laughs> Thanks for inspiring me. There you go. Um, speaking about locations, I kind of realized mm-hmm. we never even talked about your specialty at the Conservation Foundation. Oh, yeah. Uh, my understanding is that you're the Will County Program Coordinator. Yes. So you serve Will County, which is part of Chicagoland. Yes. I live in Will County now. Okay. Sorry, Hannah. <laughs> you're in Cook County. <laughs> um, so what does that mean? Like, what do you do for Will County? So I oversee all of our activities in Will County. Okay. So everything from I work with municipalities. Yes. We have a program called Conservation in Our Communities, which is where I work with an individual municipality with sort of a an a la carte menu of offerings to set up an individualized plan to help that community reach their conservation goals. Hmm. Okay. So, um, we've got one established with the village of Frankfurt. They were the first community that I es- helped establish in Will County. So that was very exciting. Um, but I helped them with Prairie Park in downtown Frankfurt, okay. which is um, the, it, there's a pond there that's stormwater retention. It helps keep the intersection of routes 30 and 45 that used to flood terribly. Mm-hmm. It takes all that stormwater and is a new place to hold it. Okay. And oh. then they planted beautiful prairie plants around there. Yeah. After a time, the management costs got to be a little too much, and they said, no more, stop managing it. Oh. Well, as those of us in the business know, once you stop managing a natural area, it starts <laughs> to get the invasive species and the weeds taking oh, over. And yes. so a couple of years ago, I was walking through there, and I'm like, man, look at all these weeds. <laughs> and you know, oh, this invasive teasel and the willow, and but I could see underneath that there were lots of really cool native plants mm-hmm. that okay. were just trying to come through and just kind of barely hanging on. And I yeah. thought to myself, I want to fix this up. I want to see this get fixed up. And it took a couple of years, but through this agreement with the village, I helped them rehire a restoration company to come through, take out the weeds get the native plants going again. Hmm. And it's That's look, it's looking better already. We're almost a year into that. Okay. And it's, it's looking so much better now. Awesome. 
Um, but then I also talk to their homeowners associations. Um, ponds are a big issue with homeowners associations. They own ponds, but they have no idea how to maintain them. Yeah, sure. And so one of the things I told the village was, I said, send your homeowners associations to us. Hmm. Now it's not the government telling you what you have to do. Yeah. It's this third party expert yeah, yeah. making recommendations on mm-hmm. best practices. Yeah. That's that, great. That's just a little more palatable for some people. Yeah. So, and I had several homeowners associations call me up and I went out and walked around the pond with them. Usually though, they call me up and they say, I'm having problems with my pond. I say, let me guess. You've got algae. Yeah. <laughs> you got lots of geese. Yeah. 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 That's what I thought of. <laughs> You're mowing it right down to the edge. Well, yeah. How'd you know? All those three things are connected. Mm-hmm. Right. When you mow it all the way down to the edge, when you don't have that, that native plant buffer on yep. the shoreline, mm-hmm. you're going to get lots of fertilizers from lawns washing in there. Mm-hmm. Well, that contributes to the algae. Mm-hmm. By not having that wild plant buffer around the edge, Perfect that's what geese, geese love. <laughs> yes. Geese want to be able to walk out of the water and be able to see all around them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if they can see 365 degrees or 360 degrees around them, Perfect. That's what they want. And and they're safe. You know, nothing's going to sneak up on them while they're walking out. And, and that's what they're looking for. So by putting up that native plant buffer, now that makes them uncomfortable and they're going to go someplace else. Mm -hmm. Boy, how many times did we hear about that that in our rehab days? Oh, I know. get calls about geese just everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're one of those animals that's just adapted to suburban living. Mm-hmm. And it's because we create habitat for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the old, if you build it, they will come. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. We have built perfect habitat for them. So of course they're going to be here. Mm-hmm. So we have to do things that makes just a little more uncomfortable for them mm-hmm. and they'll go someplace else. Yeah. There's a pond right by my house. It's actually managed by the park district, but it's perfectly manicured. Oh, yeah. So there's always at least 20 geese in there and it's, <laughs> it's in it right next to a busy intersection. Oh, so these yeah. geese have to take like a 10 o'clock walk across the street every day. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I love them. I love geese, but I know it's not necessarily safe for them and it's mm-hmm. not pleasurable for people to visit that pond yeah. because oh, there's yeah. poop everywhere. Right. And, and birds everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's, you know, interesting. it's not hygienic and yeah. Uh, when I was an undergrad, we had to do a senior project, and one of my fellow students did a project looking at uh, antibiotic-resistant bacteria in goose poop. Oh, oh, 100% of the samples she tested had antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah. So that's all I can think of every time yeah. I see geese walking around everyone's like oh uh, so um sorry to all of our people that get nervous with germs and diseases yeah. <laughs> because now you that's know. not good news right well you know and that's that's the thing is we, the pop goose populations are are really out of control and mm-hmm. it's a problem yeah mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. again it's because we've created these perfect habitats for right. them so yeah let's maybe focus on creating habitats for other things yeah. like butterflies. Yes. <laughs> we have to make sure everything's a balance. We don't want exactly. too few of a species or too many of them because exactly. both can be devastating. So. Well, and increased goose populations. Guess who else likes to eat goose? Yeah. Coyotes. Yes. Which also make some people nervous. Mm-hmm. So 
again, <laughs> balance. We need to we need to help things get back to the balance they're supposed to have. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you guys looking for any special type of help with the Conservation Foundation? Well, as I mentioned, the Conservation Foundation doesn't really have a lot of property. So it's not like we need lots of volunteers to do restoration work and okay. things like that. Uh, we do have, as I mentioned before, property in Dayton Bluffs. And one Saturday a month, we have a work day out there if people are interested in making the drive out near Ottawa um, to do that. Um, May 18th is our river sweep. So okay. anybody who's interested in helping to clean up the DuPage River can contact Jan Rail at our office. Um we have a DuPage Environmental Summit on January 31st. It's a great conference all about environmental trends in DuPage County. And that's held at the Naperville campus of NIU. Okay. It's free, but you have to register. So Good to know. Um, that's something people can sign up for. We have our annual black tie fundraiser for those who like getting all dressed up fancy and going to mm-hmm. bid on fun auction items. So okay. Our Earth Day benefit dinner is April 25th. So tickets for that will be on sale soon. Great. Um, probably the biggest thing, though, is you can just become a member. So with your donation, you get our newsletter, invitations to members-only events, and a lot more. Hmm. Um, We actually have a membership challenge going on right now. One of our donors has offered $75,000 if we can get 300 new members by July 1st. Oh, my gosh. So it's a great way to have your contribution magnified if you join now so you can help us with that. So I think we're about halfway there, which is good because we're about halfway through our our sure year, thing. you know, our fiscal years, July 1st. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so we're really, you said 75,000, $75,000. Wow. Yeah. She gives us, she's going to give us 25,000 for every hundred members up to 300. Oh my gosh. So, and you're halfway amazing. there. We are. So we've gotten our okay. first $25,000. Wow. Uh, we can get 150 yeah, so. more. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's we'll awesome. spread the word. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you can find information on all of these events and everything else we've got going on on our website, which awesome. is www.theconservationfoundation.org. Awesome. Wow. I don't know if I have anything else to ask. I, How about you? I think we covered a lot more organically than we expected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you can tell, this is, we could clearly just talk about this forever because there's just so much going on. There, re- <laughs> there really is. And, you know, probably, um, you know, if I could say one more thing, part of why I like what I do and, and the things that we talk about so much is because so many times we hear about these environmental problems like cutting down the rainforests and the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Mm-hmm. And we just feel helpless because it's so hard to make a direct impact mm-hmm. on that. But creating habitat for native plants and animals is something anybody can do in their own yard. Yeah. It doesn't take a ton of work or a bunch of money, though can if you happen to have those means. Mm-hmm. Um But there are so many easy steps anybody with a yard can take to make their yard healthier and better for pollinators and other animals. Something just as simple as installing the rain barrel um, or uh, planting native plants. You know, that's probably one of the best things a homeowner can do to help the wildlife in the area. Um, As we said, you know, if you if you bring in a plant from China or Europe, the insects that would normally pollinate it, they don't live here. Mm -hmm. At best, they look pretty. And at worst, they escape from where they're planted, showing up in open spaces and costing millions of dollars in management cro- uh, management costs, crowding out our native plants and robbing our wildlife of their food sources. So mm-hmm. native plants are a natural part of our landscape here. It's what's supposed to be here. You know, we talk yeah. about monarch butterflies. Their populations are dwindling. And they think one of the reasons is just because there's so little milkweed left 
which is the only food their caterpillars eat. So if you want yeah. to attract more monarchs to your yard, you have to plant milkweed. We all have a part in this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And and yeah. and there is something we can do. Mm-hmm. And and it's 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 something where you can feel like you're having an impact. Yeah. Small consistent changes. Yeah. yeah. And then if you do it and then you talk to your neighbor about it, and now your neighbor's doing it. Pretty yes. soon we've got these connected backyards and now we've got a much larger area of impact mm-hmm. than if, you know, we as the conservation foundation bought a little five acre parcel. Yeah. yeah. You know, right. it, it, it helps every little bit like that helps. Yeah. Jamie is so inspiring. I don't know. I agree. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I can do anything. I'm so happy right now. Yeah. This is so exciting. I, it's easy to get bogged down with everything when you well, work is. in conservation because yeah, it's depressing. It's, there's so much yeah. bad news out there and, yeah. and so much depressing stuff yes. that, that we hear about. And and that's the thing is, you know, you hear all this stuff and you think there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. You know, the wolves in Yellowstone. Mm. What what can we in the Chicago area do? Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's just not a whole lot we can do about that. But mm-hmm. there are issues that we can address here, and there are there are things that we can do. Yeah. So I don't I don't think I can end it any better than that. So yeah. I'm just gonna <laughs> drop. The oh mic. gosh, exactly. <laughs> Jamie, thank you so much for your time yes, today. You. We're very oh. happy that you joined us. Well, thank you for having me out here. It's, it's exciting. Really fun today. <laughs> Be sure to check out their website. Um, connect on social media. That's where they'll get most of their news. Yeah. Um, as you heard Jamie say, they need members to reach this fundraising goal. And also you're going to get a lot out of that membership. So please consider joining the Conservation Foundation if you are in Will, DuPage, Kane, Kendall, Kendall, or anywhere else. Yeah. Or anywhere else. Yeah, even if you're outside of our service area. I mean, we've got members in Florida and Arizona. I don't oh know how they gosh. heard about us, but that's so cool. You know, they apparently care about the wildlife All in right. Chicago. That's great. Yep. <laughs> Looking at you, Hannah, Miss Cook County resident. I know. We're going to have to make some changes over there. <laughs> okay. Do you want to roll us out with our yeah, sure. connections? Um, yeah. So you can find us on Facebook, Hello Cuckoo Podcast, uh-huh. and our Gmail accounts, Hello, Hello, Cuckoo, it, Hello Cuckoo Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Yes. And as always, we recorded on Anchor FM. Yep. Thank you so much. We will catch you next time.